Praise the Lord, everyone. Oh, we serve a good God, don't we? We truly serve an awesome God. And He is so good and He's so amazing that even despite what we go through, He still keeps us. And He protects us. I'm going to do my best to not be before you very long. But I do believe I have a word from the Lord for you today. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And we will be reading verses 9 through 13. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, And as you're turning there, today is a a special day for me. Um, Exactly 12 years ago on this date, I was um, sitting on an organ at my home church back in Benton Harbor, Michigan, at Apostolic Tabernacle, when the most beautiful woman that I could ever think of came walking in through the church. Uh, so t- today is the, uh, it's the anniversary of when my wife and I met each other. So in part, I, I dedicate this message to her in her absence. She's currently at home. Uh, as I said, the enemy's been fighting. He's been really attacking my children with illness and sickness. And I believe that his reign of terror will end today uh, as we, we start to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. If you have Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, say amen. Amen. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not. This is the verse I want to focus on today. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. Hallelujah. And the power and the glory forever. I'm going to try my best to to get through this message without losing it. Because this, this came out of some struggle. This verse means a lot more to me than it did uh, uh, before the struggle that I've had. But I hope, this may not even hit you right now. Because we we say the Lord's Prayer all the time. We've heard it many times before. But by the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to try my best to communicate, I believe, what the Lord has given me today. And uh, the Spirit of God is already here, and I want to entertain the Holy Spirit. I want to enable Him to have His way. I'll tell you what I believe is in my heart. That this service is going to be a deliverance service. I'm just telling you that right now. This message came out of God delivering me from something. Something very strong. And the Lord has impressed upon me to share this with you to help you find deliverance. And we're going to be talking about deliverance today. But I believe God is wanting to set some people free from some things today. If you will allow him to do so. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Well, that is the crux of the message. I will say that. I'm serious. I believe God's going to set some people free today of some things. I'm telling you today, this message came from a struggle. From the, probably the greatest fight of my life. The Lord gave me this message. And I want to pray today. The title of this message is simply called, Thine is the Kingdom. Thine is the kingdom. And as I said, that doesn't hit you really too much right now. But I believe by the end of this message, that's going to mean something to you. Let us pray today. Father, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for your mighty power. And we thank you for your holy written word. We thank you for your spirit. And though Lord Jesus, that the enemy may try to derail us and try to capture us. Oh God, that you snatch us out of his clutches. And even as your word says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, you that have been delivered from the hand of the enemy. And I thank you, Lord, that today shall be an Independence Day, an Emancipation Proclamation, a day in which we, Lord Jesus, break all ties, sever all connections to the, to the hold of the enemy today. And Father, right now, we thank you in advance for the mighty work that you're going to wrought in this house. We bless you and we worship you. And we give you all the praise and the glory. And in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There are three questions that we need to answer fully to understand the last part of the Lord's Prayer. That being, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There are three questions that I will attempt to answer in this message. The first is... What is temptation? The second is, what does it mean to be delivered from evil? And the third one was, is what does it mean to say when the word of God says, thine is the kingdom? I want to deal with the first question in particular, which is, what is temptation? In the text that we just read here in the Lord's Prayer, the word, the Greek word for temptation is parismos, which literally means to be tempted, to be tried, and experiment attempt trial proving, the trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy. And the contrary to popular opinion, contrary to what we may think, that to temptation primarily derives its power from within as opposed to an external source. We often think that whenever we're being tempted, we're looking at the object of our temptation. We're looking at something that's outside of us that is alluring us and trying to entice us. But the Bible describes temptation very differently in that temptation actually derives its origin from within sight of us. In James chapter 1 verse 12, the writer says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted... When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, that word enticed can also mean ensnared or entrapped. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the scripture says that every man, when he is tempted, he is drawn away of his own lust, his own desires. Temptation, therefore, is the attraction to commit an act based upon the internal desires of the heart. 
The opportunity is merely the catalyst that initiates the action to commit sin. Think of it this way from like looking at a magnet's relation to metal. That if you look at a magnet, a magnet has an attractive force that's upon it. It exerts that force on a piece of metal. And the fact of the matter is the reason why the magnet is able to pull the piece of metal to itself because of the internal properties that are within the piece of metal. You could take the strongest magnet on the face of the earth and put it on a piece of plastic and it wouldn't move anywhere. The only reason why the metal is being pulled to the magnet is because there's something inside of the magnet, its internal properties, that is synchronized with the attraction power of the magnet itself. So the metal is drawn to the magnet because of really two different things. Firstly, its proximity to the magnet. The magnet's ability to control it and to attract it to itself is really uh, dependent upon how close the, the piece of metal is. The closer the piece of metal is to the magnet, the stronger the pull is. The second uh, aspect, which I just alluded to earlier, is the internal properties of the piece of metal in relation to the magnet. There's something inside of the metal that is in synchronization with the magnet and causes an attraction. And now when we're talking about in particular with temptation and also being delivered from sin, being delivered from the oppressive power of the enemy, that we also need to limit our proximity to the things that are pulling us into sin. One of the things that we have an issue is, is that we get too close to sin. And we think that we're, we're, we're saved, we're sanctified, we're righteous, whatever. But there might still be properties inside of you that are, that are so attracted to, those, to that magnetic pull that is there. And the thing is we have people that don't walk in holiness and sanctification anymore. We have people who try to skirt the fence and try and walk the boundary lines and stay as close to sin as possible without actually falling into it. But as you get closer, the magnetic pull, it attracts you and pulls you into this gulf of sin. And that's why the Bible admonishes us to remove our proximity to the sinful magnets that are in our lives. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord of a pure heart. We need to remove ourselves. When we talk about deliverance in particular, we're talking about removing ourselves out of the situation. That's typically what we think about with deliverance, that God brings us out of something That was pulling us into sin, pulling us into destruction, pulling us into perdition. And there are some times when we don't want to get pulled in. We we really don't want to get pulled in. That we are in a position where we don't have the ability to escape the power of sin and the temptation that attracts us to it. Which is why we need something stronger to pull us out of it. That we're, we're near, we're close to a temptation. We're dealing with an addiction. We're dealing with a sin. We're dealing with an oppression. And we, we want to be out. We want to be free. We want to be delivered. We want to get away from this thing. But every time we get in proximity, we are just inevitably pulled into this situation. I want to now deal with the second question of my message, which is what does it mean to be delivered from evil? To fully understand what the word deliver means... In the Lord's Prayer, I want to take a look at the story of Moses. Now, the story of Moses begins with the command of Pharaoh wanting to completely destroy all the firstborn, all the sons, I should say, uh, all the males of Israel. And Moses' mother, uh, she hid Moses so that he would not be destroyed. But it got to a point where she could no longer hide him. And so the Bible says that she made an ark of bulrushes and she put slime and pitch without it. And she put Moses into this 
ark and left him by the riverbank. And the Bible says that Pharaoh's daughter came to, to the river to go bathe herself. And she heard Moses crying in the bulrush. And that uh, Moses' sister was there, Miriam. And Pharaoh's daughter called to Miriam and said, I want you to go and find a maid, find someone to nurse this child. Look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. Praise God. Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, and the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called, now notice this, Pharaoh's daughter is the one naming him. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. The name Moses literally means to be drawn out, to be pulled out, to be taken out, drawn forth. When we look at the word deliver in Matthew 6, 9, 13 in the Lord's Prayer, it's the Greek word rohomai, which means to draw to oneself, to pull out. But what's very interesting is that this Greek word is related to two other Greek words, one of them being rail, which means to flow, and the other one being ruis, which means an issue or a flowing issue. In other words, that this word deliver means it's connected to the flowing of water and being pulled out of it. That the thing is when God wants to deliver us, he wants to pull us out of the drowning waters of sin. We may feel like we're falling apart and that there's no way out, but he wants to pull us out. He wants to bring you out. That part of deliverance, there's only one part of deliverance, is for God to bring you out of something. Psalms 18, 16 says that he sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. Psalms 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon upon a rock, and established my goings. I'm reminded of the hymn that says that I was sinking deep in sin. Hallelujah. That I was far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters he lifted me. And now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Now I want to get to the third question. So I've talked about the deliverance is about being removed from a situation. I know there's a lot of you that you're in a terrible situation and you want God to deliver you. You want him to bring you out. But I want to give another aspect to deliverance that we often don't think about that I believe will really allow us to walk in the fullness of the power of God. The third question I want to answer is this. What does it mean to say thine is the kingdom? The Greek word for kingdom in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 13 is baselia. It means kingdom of God, of heaven, royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. And it also, it means the right or the authority to rule over a kingdom. The right 
or the authority to rule over a kingdom. It also can be a kingdom, the territory, subject to rule of a king. Now when we see the Lord's Prayer where it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This was not a new phrase that Jesus was actually quoting the Old Testament. Turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. David has taken Solomon and has crowned him king. And David has now provided all the materials that will be necessary to build the temple. He has gathered everything together and made all things ready so that Solomon could take over the work of building the temple. And David is now giving a blessing to the congregation and giving praise unto God. First Chronicles 29 verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto, unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sword for all things come of thee and of thine own have we give thee now notice how many times it says thine in the text that thine is the greatness and thine is the power and thine is the glory and the victory and the majesty that thine is the kingdom to say thine is the kingdom is to declare God's right to rule and to reign I know this doesn't seem like some big revelation but I'm going somewhere with this but whenever you say that thine is the kingdom you are saying that this is you are giving God the right you are acknowledging God's right his right to reign and to rule it is a statement of ownership now I want you to pay attention to this very closely I want to quote the Lord's prayer again and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever what is interesting is that this statement is given as the clause for deliverance from evil. Did you catch that? Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The reason or the mechanism for deliverance from evil is that God is, has the kingdom the power and the glory forever. The question is why? Why does this phrase, is, is, why is this the cause of deliverance from evil? The Greek word there for evil in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.13 is poneros. It usually denotes a title in the Greek. It can be translated evil, but in this case it denotes a title in the Greek. Hence Christ is saying, deliver us from the evil. Or the evil one. He's not talking about just evil in general. He's talking about Satan specifically. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now we miss out a lot on the meaning of this verse. Because we don't take this in its total context. And I don't mean just the local context here in Matthew 6. 
I mean the totality of the gospel of Matthew. Because what you don't understand is, Jesus is alluding to an event that had transpired a little bit earlier in the gospel. Particularly when he encountered the devil in the wilderness and he was tempted by him. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He is pointing back to the event when he was tempted in the wilderness. The Lord's prayer is not just a prayer, but it is a testimony to Christ's victory over Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness. Turn with me to Matthew 4. I'm going somewhere with this. Matthew 4 verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to see the elements of the Lord's prayer in this. Because what did Jesus say for us to do? And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. This was, then was Jesus led up of the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He's saying, you don't want to go through what I went through in this situation. And you better pray that you don't have to. That God would protect you from the temptations of the devil. Verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, now look at this very carefully. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city. And setteth him on a, on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God. Notice this, how he, he premises the temptation with the question. If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now I want to point something out that maybe you didn't notice. In the first two temptations, Satan tested and challenged Jesus' identity as a son of God. He said, if thou be the son of God, turn these stones to bread. If thou be the son of God, jump off of this pinnacle for he will give his angels charge over thee. He was questioning Jesus' identity. And despite Jesus establishing his identity as a true son of God in those two exchanges, it didn't stop Satan coming back a third time. What's interesting is the third temptation that Satan gives is very different from the other two. In the first two uh, uh, temptations, Satan is merely daring Jesus to do something. If you're the son of God, go do this. So it's like, I double dog dare you to... You know, you know, we all did that as kids. I dare you to eat that roach. I dare you to, to... We did all sorts of stupid stuff as kids. In that of itself, it doesn't seem like much of a temptation because temptation is an attraction, right? There's nothing really that attractive about, you know, jumping off of, a, off of the temple. But it was a test. The third temptation, though, is different. Because in the third temptation, Satan actually offered something. The first two, he didn't offer anything. He said, if you're a son of God, do this, do that. But the third temptation, he offered something. And I want you to understand this. Jesus establishing his identity and saying, I am a son of God, did not stop the devil from coming back. 
And I want you to understand something here. Just because you're saved does not, will not stop the devil from tempting you. Nor will it deliver you from evil. But something strange is going on in this third temptation. Look at this. It wasn't until Satan challenged Jesus' authority. The first was about his identity. The third, however, was about his authority. And the way that he challenged it, he tried to use something to allure Jesus. Look at this. Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him, notice this, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now I want you to understand something here. That the devil has been tempting Jesus these two other times. And challenging Jesus' identity. But when it came to the kingdom and his authority and his right to rule. Look what Jesus said before. Jesus just quoted a scripture. And said, well it is written. And it is written. But when it came to challenging his authority and who has ownership of the kingdom, look what Jesus says here in verse number 10. Then saith Jesus unto them, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou, thou serve. When it came to the kingdom, when it came down to ownership and possession of the kingdom, Jesus wasn't playing. And you notice when the kingdom was challenged, there was a deliverance from evil. There was a removal from evil. Now, we missed this a bit, but go now and look at this in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. This is Luke's account of the temptation. Look at verse number 6. And I want you to pay very close attention here what the devil is saying, the words he's using. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered. Notice this. It's delivered unto me. The Greek word there for delivered could also be translated betrayed. Because what happened is, for Satan to get the power that he had, mankind betrayed God and delivered it over to Satan. He says, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Now look at all of the elements that are there. He says, all of this shall be thine. All this power will I give thee, the glory of them that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. So in this we see the kingdom, we see the power, and we see the glory. And Jesus says this in verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to them, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, it wasn't until Jesus made clear his jurisdiction regarding the kingdom, and that the kingdom was his, that Satan left him. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand about deliverance that we miss out. Because oftentimes when we're asking God to deliver us, we are asking God to bring us out of something. We're asking God to remove us out of the situation. But there's another part of deliverance that we miss out of and that's to remove something out of us.
Because temptation's power comes from the lusts and the desires that are inside of you. Because remember my magnet analogy. That to remove the attraction of the, of the magnet, you can either remove yourself from the magnet or change the properties of the object so there's nothing inside of you that is attracted to the magnet. And what God wants to do with you today is not just remove you from the situation, but remove the situation from you. Because you have to understand something here. That the children of Israel were delivered from the Egyptians. But Egypt was still inside of their hearts. And so they kept, they were still attracted to the leeks and the melons. And we had it better in Egypt. We had it better in bondage. There was still something inside of them that had them attracted to that. Now, the reason why the phrase, thine is the kingdom is the key to deliverance because thine is the kingdom deals with possession. It deals with not only ownership, but possession. Possession. You may have ordered something off of Amazon and and technically you own it, but you don't possess it yet. And we need to move from just being being owned by God by being possessed by him. What do I mean by that? I mean he truly controls, he truly initiates and resides within inside of us. And that he so possesses us that he transforms the qualities that are in us so that we are no longer attracted to the magnets of sin anymore. Because the greater miracle isn't that God removes you from the situation. Is that he can keep you in the midst of the situation and you don't fall and you don't lose your cotton-picking mind. Look what Jesus said here. John 17 verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He said, I'm not praying that the saints are removed from the earth yet, but that they cannot be touched by the wicked one. And the only way that the wicked one cannot touch you is if God possesses you. And the mechanism through God possessing you is by you saying and stating, Thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory. I'm going to testify here for a minute. I said that this message was born out of deliverance. I needed to be delivered from something. Through my own foolishness and stupid mistakes, I had opened the door to something in my life. And it was taking control over me. To the point that I was, I was fighting a spirit. I had I'd invited a spirit into myself through some of the stu- stupid actions that I was doing. And for three days, I was fighting against this thing. But I didn't fully recognize that it was a spirit until the third day. It was on the third day. When I realized that I needed deliverance and I needed to break the power of this thing. And literally the spirit spoke to me. And this is what it said to me. It said, you'll never get rid of me because you belong to me. I said, oh no devil, I don't belong to you. And so I went and I, went and I started doing some praying. I got my scriptures and I started reading this. Jude one twenty four. I said to the devil, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now look what he says next. 
to the only wise God our Savior be what? Glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. I began reading the scriptures and I started noticing a theme that with every scripture I saw about temptation, there was an acknowledgement of God having the kingdom and having the power and having the glory. And then I went to the Lord's prayer and I said, our Lord, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then I said this. I can remember the very moment I said these words. I said, and lead us not into temptation. And my body began to shake. I began to feel the Holy Ghost rise within me. I then said, but deliver us from evil. And I started stomping like this and shaking up. And then when I said, for thine. When I said, for thine is the kingdom, I felt a release in my spirit. I jumped out of my chair and I shouted all over the room because I recognized that God has ownership of me. No devil in hell owns me. I'm bought with a price, blood washed, and the devil lost his power from me. When you finally say that thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and thine is the glory forever, that is when you are delivered from evil. Jesus. Because when God takes possession of something, the devil cannot operate anymore. When I said thine is the kingdom, I lost it. And I was trying to figure out why is that? Why was it when I said that, that there was a release? Luke 17 verse 20. Luke 17, verse 20. And when he was demanded the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here, O lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And when I shouted, Thine is the kingdom, I said, You, God, have dominion and the right to rule this. And when I said, Thou, thine is the power, I said, by your spirit and by your power, I'm coming out of this. And when I said, thine is the glory, I said, when I get free of this, I'm going to tell the whole world about how God set me free. He brought me out of the miry clay. He put my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my heart to say, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrows I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me. Glory to God. He set me free. He set me free. Yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound. My Jesus, you see. Glory to God. He set me free. Glory to God. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever and ever. Jesus. Jesus. God is wanting not to just deliver you from the situation. He wants to rid you of the situation from within you. But that can only occur 
when you truly acknowledge that God has the kingdom, that he owns this, that he has the power, and that he gets the glory. He gets the glory. I'm going to close. Let's stand. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the whole God. Every time I say those words, I relive the moment he set me free. I'm going to play a song for altar call today. If you're dealing with an addiction, you're dealing with oppression, you're dealing with bondage, today is your emancipation day. God wants to make you free. God wants to deliver you from evil. But that will only occur if you cry out, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That is the cry of the church. Thine is the kingdom. Not my will, but thy will be done, God. I'm not my own God. You own me. And no devil in hell is going to control me or manipulate me. I'm getting free today. Today, the kingdom has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Today, God's kingdom is coming inside of you. Today, he takes the throne not only on, in the heavens, but he takes it in our heart. Come, come, come. Come all over this congregation, come. And sing the words that thine is the kingdom, thine is the glory and the power forever. And the power. The glory. Forever. His reign shall never end. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Glory. For thine is the kingdom. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. All over this house. Begin to cry it out. For thine is the kingdom. You look depression straight in the eye. And you say, thine is the kingdom, God. You look bitterness in the eye. And you say, thine is the kingdom. You look hurt in the eye and rejection in the eye. And you say, thine is the kingdom. Hey, glory to God. Yes, all over this house. God, take possession of me. Take possession of me. And deliver me out of the hand of the enemy. Oh, God. Forever. Forever.